him, we have the one and only Brad Sugars on the podcast with us. How are you doing, Brad? Very good, Charlie. Now, did you tell everyone that before we actually did this call, you mentioned this is a fanboy moment? Did you mention that, Pact? Hundred percent. I'll tell. I'll tell everyone right now. Like straight, straight up, billionaire in training. That book actually like changed the trajectory of my business yeah. career. I was like, oh, yeah, not they, doing it right. Actually. That book, I, I've had more people say that about the way they focused on business from that book than any other book, that it has changed the way they, they've looked at business. So it's good to know. I love that book. I think it's one of the best things I've ever written. Well, this I'm going to go straight here before we even get into the new one. Is there any plan to do an updated or a part two to Billionaire in Training? <laughs> Every one of my original 14 books is being updated right now. In fact, that's that's them up there. They're all being updated uh, right now. So uh, I think the first three have been updated and the next 11 over the next 12 months or 13 months are getting all a fresh update with all of the internet marketing and all of that sort of stuff added into them because people don't realise it. Well, I, I didn't realise it till a few weeks ago. It's been 18 years since the first book was written. Um, wow, that's kind of nuts, isn't it? It's yeah. <laughs> you think it's nuts. It took me six years to write the dang thing, so it uh, takes a little less time now. But uh, yeah, I think it's a, a testament while. to the discipline of like actually like following on through on something for the long term. Like something we see quite commonly here is like how short-term focused or short-disciplined a lot of business owners are where it's like it doesn't work this week, well, then we'll just stop. So, yeah, yeah, look. I think that, and that's true for all parts of business, you know, it's it's the 20 years overnight success sort of thing. You know, this is book 17, uh, the Pulling Profits book, and it's literally the first one I think I'll get as a New York Times bestseller. I've had the Wall Street Journal bestseller, the Amazon bestsellers, but, you know, going for New York Times is like the, the penultimate of, of all of those things. So it takes time to get to be successful in anything, and I think that if we can really... Uh, understand that a lack of planning extends that time. A lack of knowing what you're doing extends that time. Um, trial and error is the slowest way to learn. Let's put it that way. Oh, definitely. So we'll lead straight into it then. Tell us about the new book. What's uh, Pulling Profits all about? Well, it's, it's a very sexy cover first and foremost. Um, you know, it, it came because of a conversation I was having with someone who said, you know, it just seems like magic the way these companies make profit. They were talking about like Apple and Ikea and some of these big companies and they said, it just seems like magic. I said, it's not magic. It's just certain things they do that others aren't willing to do or, or don't know to do. And so I sat down with Monty, who's my co-author on the book, and, you know, we've between us coached so many companies and uh, most of the companies he coaches on a day-to-day basis are doing hundreds and hundreds of millions. And we sat down and said, what is the difference between a company that grows exponentially, one that grows and consistently grows and, and does that year on year on year, and one that doesn't? And we came up with five core disciplines that uh, a business needs to understand. And if you're an executive in a large corporate, you must employ, employ these. If you're the smallest business on the planet, you must employ these if you want to have that level of growth. Yeah, that's so, so amazing. And Brad, um, in you, there's a section in the book I think you mentioned, and you saw you did a live the other day on the exponential growth. And you mm. mentioned when most people don't get it, it's because they don't build the foundations right. What have you seen as like the biggest mistake business owners make in that setup of their foundations? You know, the smallest of businesses, their biggest mistake is that they look to have a business that revolves around them. You know, it's it's about getting themselves a job. They literally invent a job for themselves and they call it a business. 
the biggest of businesses is where they focus in on one thing rather than trying to do all five areas. They try and get really good at one thing. And you see it's, it really depends on which way the CEO came into business. If the CEO is sort of an accountant, then, you know, their operations and finance are going to be great. If the CEO was a salesperson, you know, their sales and marketing is going to be great. And it's, it's really working that balancing aspect of it to, to make sure that we get there. So it's different for the different size companies. Yeah. So in the book, you've got these five disciplines. What are the five disciplines? Ah, see, now you're trying to get me to give away the book before I even <laughs> Give us a little, little heat. You know, well, see, the, the, way that, the way that it works is this. So discipline number one is the discipline of strategy. And what we're looking at there is strategically, is the business actually designed to grow faster as it gets bigger or is it designed to be harder as it gets bigger? And that's very true for the majority of very small businesses. But then when the bigger business, we say, well, okay, let's expand the business into 20 countries. Like Action Coach, uh, uh, you notice the brand, always got to have the brand on. Action Coach expanded into Bulgaria last month and goes into Russia this month. And that's country number 87 and country number 88. And when you look at a, a business and you say, okay, is it strategically designed to be able to expand into all countries around the world? Is it actually structured for that? And in most cases, that's, that's definitely not the case. Um, then we've got the discipline of mission. And that's really about emotional connectivity. It's about where is the emotional connection between the staff and the company, between the, the team and the customers and, and having that level of, you know, it's, if, you, if you talk to someone who's an Apple customer, they don't just like Apple, they love Apple, you know, and it's like how do you get your customers and your staff to love working with you and being a part of, of your business is really what we're looking at there. Uh, the, the, the discipline of business development, um, and, uh, and if you, you know, as you know, Charlie and Kim, as if you look back at all my books, business development has been a core of like 10 of the 14 books because it's all been about how do we generate more business and more sales and, and that sort of thing. Uh, the discipline of people. Um, you know, you don't build a business, your people build a business. So it doesn't matter how big your company is, the quality of your people determines the quality of your business. So uh, as you build people, they build the business. And then finally, the discipline of execution. So I wrote a book many years ago, Instant Systems, which is more for the smaller business, but uh, understanding execution and how you actually pull it off uh, is a very important aspect of it. So there's, there's just quick summary, Charlie, the five disciplines. <laughs> Thank you for the uh, giveaway. <laughs> but, uh, as, as you'll see from the book, we actually went into a full-colour print uh, on this one. and it's, it's the longest book I've ever written, almost 300 pages. And the reason we did that is we had to go into so much detail around each discipline and give examples of each discipline in action so people could actually learn how to do it, not just uh, what to do. That's amazing. And I think it, it's um, amazing what you've, just, what you've just shared there. And I think one of the things that obviously writing a book does as well is gives you leverage in your business along with those five disciplines. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things I think was your definition is do the work once and you get paid forever, which is a definition <laughs> of leverage. What yes. would you, so for people that are, so we talk to and we share a lot with agencies which are, you know, doing things online, whether they're websites, Facebook ads, et cetera. What would, how do you recommend people go about creating leverage if they are in that very uh, heavily service-based industry of running an agency? Yeah, and there's the answer to that is see what I've done with Action Coach. You know, in the beginning, I was the only coach coaching business owners. 
now we have thousands of them all across the world and, and doing it in that way. And as you said, writing the book gives you leverage because what writing the book does, it makes you actually think. You've got to come up with a model uh, and then create the artifact to, to get the results. But when you boil it down to a day-to-day, let's start with the first level of that definition because when I first learned leverage, it was, it was uh, ever more with ever less or the mathematical formula, divide to multiply. And, you know, if you look at divide to multiply, and you go back to Henry Ford with the production line, if uh, within my stuff, my first book, Instant Cash Flow, which divided business up into the five steps of the chassis and, and that sort of thing. The, the first stage of leverage is do the work once, get paid long term. So most business people have got to start there. Um, and, and even if it's you're, you're an employee in a company, you've still got to start with work that gets paid long term. Like the best salespeople aren't selling every month. The best salespeople get a customer and set them up for life and therefore they've, they've got money coming in for life. The best business owner or the best corporate executive is someone who does work one time that pays back. So training your people, developing systems, business planning, uh, sometimes marketing and sales because, you know, you do good marketing. It brings customers who stay long-term or it brings a lot of customers who stay long-term or forever. Sales often because you get a customer that stays with you long-term. So it's almost, if you, if you look at going from stage one, do the work once, get paid once, which is employee-based work, do the work once, get paid long-term, which is executive or, or managerial-type work, right through to do the work once, get paid forever, which is C-level work or owner's work in an organisation. That's beautiful. That's a great definition. And I think, as you said, uh, Action Coach is a, is a perfect example and uh, model for people to look at for that as well. Yeah, buddy, i got a good friend of mine here in Las Vegas. He's actually an Aussie guy, uh, Peter Lick, who's, an, who's a photographic artist. And people are like, well, you know, you can't do that. And, you know, when I sit down and I look at his business that he has now, selling that that each photograph, you know, a hundred times and doing it. You can set up a business around anything. You just got to put your thought into it and you got to really think it through from that manner. I really like that you leaned into the action coach as the example. And I'm just looping back earlier to this interview about like in design, how easy, how much easier that is to scale as a franchise Mm. into other countries. Like you're literally just duplicating what you've done everywhere else opposed to like Mm. setting up massive factories or production lines and things. You know, you know, when you when you sit down and look at it, there's there's sort of the core of investing is real estate business uh, or, or shares, and shares is really just business investing or real estate investing. As you're buying a shares of a company, it's in one of those two things. When it comes to business, you break it down and say, okay, there's the retail element, there's the wholesale, there's distribution, and then there's the service based businesses. And 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 for me, uh, I've always been a lover of the service based businesses. So I've always been in that. You know, I, I own a commercial cleaning company. I own a, a, a property management company. I own you know, all these things that are real service-based because I believe that it is a far – and remember this, though, guys. When I franchised Action Coach back now 20-odd years ago, Action Coach is now in its 26th year, there were no white-collar franchises at that point. Actually, there probably was. It was like expense reduction analysts and H&R Block. And so we had to invent a whole new industry, develop a whole new thing that, that was just not there. And that to me was the exciting and challenging part of it. And the best part was I was young enough and naive enough to believe I could do anything. Um, so I did. Um, the, the problem with most people when they get older is they're too stupid to believe they can do anything. They've got too much experience. They go, oh, no, that can't happen. That's why I think millennials are positioned as some of the best business people to come 
And, and it, it, I did a, I'm not sure if you saw it, I did a podcast, I do one called The Apprentice Billionaire, and it's me interviewing young millennials about how they succeeded. But I had to do one which was just a pure rant about what is it with, with an older generation saying that millennials don't work that hard, millennials are bad, millennials this. It's like, dang, they are some of the best entrepreneurs I've come across. I mean, they're more entrepreneurial than almost any generation before them, and that's perfect. You don't want to create employees out of school. You want to create employers. You know, where are the people, the entrepreneurs, not, not uh, employees? I tend to think that's the shift that is coming. We're going to see oh. much more small businesses start up and I suppose less corporate environment, Yeah, uh, which is cool. Yeah, it's, it's moving in that direction and even corporates are moving in that direction of developing small businesses within the corporate type thing. You know, I know a lot of the CEOs that we coach they're the head of a 10 or $20 million division of a multi-billion dollar company, but they are profit responsible. So that's really just a small business that's owned by a very large business. Yeah, I rate it. I think that's definitely the way to go. Maybe now, I should um, write a book on that, Charlie. Do you know what? I was just thinking that. Maybe you should lead the millennials or how to uh, spin small businesses out of franchises. It'll probably yeah, do well yeah. for you. That would be, that's another one I should do, actually. I. I do a thing once a year where I invite 10 businesses to uh, here in Las Vegas where I live and I actually help them create a business plan to go to a billion a year uh, based on how they can expand globally and that sort of thing. It's a lot of fun for me. I get to sit and work with 10 business owners who really want to grow and show them how to do it. That's a very uh, aspirational goal. I can only imagine the people uh, you come across. You know, I mean, it's amazing the businesses that we come into that we have in that thing, you know. I sit there and sometimes I look at it. One of them was a water distribution business in Asia. And you don't think of water distribution in most Western countries because you just turn the tap on and there's water. Well, in many Asian countries, that's not the case. So what's the water distribution business? And this is a business that's already doing 120, 130 million a year. And how do I get them tenfold is, is, is the game. So I think a lot of business people, Charlie, and they just think too small. They're just way too small in their thinking. And even to the fact where you say to someone, what do you do? They say, I own my own small business. Shut up. No, you don't. You own a big business in training. And that's why you mentioned the book, Billionaire in Training. Everyone is a billionaire in training. You know, the question is, will you pass? That's a, that's I love a, that. That's a killer mindset right there. <laughs> I love that. Can I, can I ask, um, bro, when you are looking at that, so for example, that water distribution business that comes through and you go, how am I going to help them tenfold this? What's the first thing that you look at with all your experience over the years that will indicate whether or not that can happen? Uh, there's these things called five disciplines. <laughs> so I go through the five disciplines and, and, and I literally do. I mean, I, I literally go through the five disciplines in my own head and start to think. Normally, the first one is strategy. Normally, strategy is the first one because if there's a fundamental core uh, business model uh, problem, then it doesn't matter what you do with marketing. It doesn't matter what you do with people. If the, if the core model of the business or even the core model of the product, how the product or service is sold, how it's packaged, how it's delivered, you know, is it delivered? See, when I started business coaching, guys, you've got to remember there was no such thing. What there was was a lot of people doing business consulting. And, and uh, what, what happened was I started giving seminars and uh, I remember Robert Kiyosaki put me on stage and Blair Singer and uh, my good friends uh, Stan and Jane Jordan down in Melbourne, Australia, put me on stage and, and people would keep coming to me asking me for help and I said, listen, I, I don't have time. I'm running my own businesses. So uh, why don't you just call me once a week and I'll coach you through it? And by pure accident, the business coaching industry was started. And... Uh, you know, you sit down and you start thinking about how do you 
see, and that's why I had to write the books. I had to evolve everything that was in my head into some sort of a model and, and say, well, okay, how does that actually happen? And that's why I wrote the book, The Business Coach, um, after 13 years of coaching business owners to success. So we'd gone through something in the vicinity of 10 to 15,000 business owners that we'd coached to success. And, I, and then I sat down and said, right, we've done this with 10,000. This works. That's the model. See, most business people don't think that there is a system or a recipe for growing a business. They just don't think that way. They think, oh, I've just got to work harder. No. And there's none of this, you've just got to work smarter either. You've got to work both harder and smarter if you want to succeed in business today, especially in your industry, guys. Why? Because in your industry, you're on a competitive analysis with the world. I can get your business. I can have someone in India doing the exact same stuff as the work you're doing up the street. I don't need to have them down the road from me type thing. And This is where you've got to be so good at what you do or so niched in what you do that that. No one can argue with you type thing. Like I did an interview on The Apprentice Billionaire the other day with this young couple that have hamster business. They have the world's largest business selling hamster stuff. Now, as a person who has no freaking clue about hamsters, I'm like, what do you mean you do that? They're doing four million pound a year selling hamster stuff. I mean, who the heck? (laughs) That is amazing. I'm glad that exists. If you niche stuff down, watch those. Uh, they're, they're on iTunes or SoundCloud, all of those podcasts. But have a listen to it because they're geniuses in niching down. They were so brilliant at it. I, I love learning from them. That is so good and so important. It's something that we've shared on this podcast before is that very thing. It's like either you've got to be like the number one, the best of the best, or you do have to be the number one or the best of the best in the niche as well. And it makes such a difference. And I, I like to circle back just quickly on one thing you said there. And you've mentioned it a few times, which is, strategy because i think a lot of times business owners confuse strategy with tactics yeah what like how would you differentiate the two of those well strategy is more about your business model strategy is more about the the product or service let's let's use an example that everyone knows okay apple apple's strategy in the beginning was manufacture a computer build the software and sell the computer and software as a bundle awful strategy now, it worked when nobody owned a computer. When no one owned a computer, or you know, it worked. But as everyone had computers, it became a bad strategy. Now, on top of that, they had an even worse strategy. They made great computers. So the computer lasted forever, and they built it with software. Now, here's the problem with it, right? And people don't really think about this, but they built in a negative to their business. They built in a debt. Once they sold you a computer, it was their debt. They didn't sell you the software separately in the beginning. They, you, had to, you bought the computer, so they had to keep upgrading their software no matter what for people that had already bought and they're never going to pay them again, whereas Microsoft at the flip side of it had a great strategy. They made a shitty software that kept upgrading, but every time you wanted to buy it again, you had to upgrade and upgrade and upgrade and upgrade. You blokes are too young to remember, you know, Windows 98 and all that sort of stuff, but as those releases came out, and we all had to go and line up at the shop and buy the big box with a book and this tiny little floppy disks, which I, I tell you a funny thing about floppy disks. I showed one to my kids the other day and they said, Dad, did you use the 3D printer to print the save label? Um, anyway, <laughs> now let's, let's use strategy again and learn what Apple did to become the world's largest capital value company. Steve Jobs left Apple or got kicked out of Apple. What did he go and do? He ran a little company called Pixar. Okay, made movies. What did he learn? Leverage, make the movie once, sell it a billion times, sell it forever. 
So he came back to Apple and said, hey, this doesn't work. We make a computer once, we sell it once. We get paid one time for the work we do. We never get paid again. How do we do the work once and get paid forever? Well, let's, he moved him into the music business, right? Now, here's why Steve Jobs is much richer than me and much richer than all of us and, you know, he's passed on now, but a genius, a genius. He didn't even do the work once and get paid forever. He did the work no times and got paid forever. Never made a song, never, like, they don't make apps. They don't make TV shows. They don't make any of that stuff. And yet they get 30 cents or 40 cents on the dollar for every app or every song that you, you buy. Who's the most excited person in the world when Taylor Swift comes out with a new album? Apple's shareholders. It's interesting, and they're just about to announce their TV streaming service. It's the mm -hmm. next services business to kind of Again, roll through. Buy it once and sell it forever. Why did Apple go and buy Beats uh, headphones? Because Beats had the contract for music to pay it as a rental, not a one-off each time they use it. Beats had their contract, and Sony and all the big guys says, we're not going to give that to you, Apple. You've already beaten us up once in contract negotiations. We're not getting beaten up a second time. So they paid way over the money for, for that, and therefore they got the streaming service, and now they got streaming service for TV and all that. It's phenomenal. There's going to be a winner out of that. Not sure if it's going to be them or Amazon or Google or, or Microsoft or, or Roku or any of those, but someone's going to end up winning that one. Oh, my money's on Disney at the moment. My money's on Disney. You know, your money's always got to be on the mouse. The mouse is see. The mouse is the world's genius at leverage. When it comes to leverage, the mouse is the genius. How many? See, the mouse was invented what seventy odd years ago. How many different ways do they sell the mouse today? Still, and they're still selling the mouse. The first ever movies. In fact, you jump on a Qantas flight. What do you see? The the original mouse uh, TV shows are, are on Qantas still, and I'm sure they're paying a license fee to have them. You know, you, you go on a Disney cruise, stay at a Disney hotel. Now you can go to Florida and actually buy houses on Disney property and live in the, in the Disney Disney resort. I mean, it's amazing. Wow, that's insane. That's a, and that's a great definition, I think, as well, because a lot of times I think when people look at, they don't look at strategy like that. They look at it as a lot of the times the tactical things that they'll do because we talk with agency owners and they'll, and they'll talk about their strategy is to run Facebook ads. And it's like, well, hang on, that's not you know, a strategy no. at all that's a that's a tactic that's yeah, a great that's definition a that's a marketing campaign and that's where uh, make them read my book buying customers it goes through how to build a campaign the six questions you have to have see most people build marketing campaigns backwards most people build businesses backwards see they go to a business and think what's our product or service no no your product or service is the least important part of your business how are you going to build your business what structure you're going to have what target audience you're going after what are they buying what's the long term there's so many more important things. Same with a marketing campaign. People say, oh, I want to run radio ads. Well, who's your target audience? Well, this. Well, why are you running radio ads? Well, because, you know, I got a good deal on radio ads. Okay. And then they'll run a stupid radio ad that they've never tested, never measured. It won't work. And then they go, oh, geez, radio doesn't work. Well, of course it doesn't. You did one ad. Remember, 80% of marketing fails. You just got to remember that. 20% of it works. That's why you have 10% of your budget allocated to testing and then the other 90% rolls out what you've tested and measured and proven actually works. We're covering a lot of ground here, so guys. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> dropping gold there, bro. <laughs> so let's plug... Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah we've, got to, we've got to plug the book. I'm actually going to um, ask one more question. What One of the things I, I really enjoy about the way you write is every book has a transformation. It's like if mm. you read one of your books, like you get a very clear outcome. So, you know, for mm. example, like I read The Wealth Coach and it's like I came out better equipped in the wealth area or mm -hmm. I read uh, Buying Customers and funnily enough, I got better at buying customers. So um, I'd love to know what the outcome 
or the main topic you're trying to cover in this one is and how you expect people to change from it. Yeah. So let me take two steps back. First of all, the plan behind every book is to build a model that people can understand and therefore use. Okay. A lot of my books, people say, it just seems too simple. And that's the point. Uh, You know, Einstein once said it, that if you can't teach it simply, you're not a good teacher. So don't teach that. The core behind this book is exponential growth. It's, it's about how do you grow at an exponential rate, not how do you grow by 10 or 20%, how do you grow by 10 or 20 times? And how do you consistently do that year in, year out? How do you consistently do that? Because a lot of businesses will have a good growth path and then they'll have a plateau for a few years to catch up and then they'll go again and then they'll plateau. And so the, the aim of this is to not have the plateaus, to continue on that growth path and to continue doing it to dominate the worldwide market of, of your product or service. Um, I think that from the uh, most middle manager in any organisation to the highest CEO of the largest corporates to the smallest uh, one-man, one-woman business across the planet, getting understanding where they're going right now or they need to be going in five to ten years. See, some people will read the book and go, okay, now I get where I'm going a few years from now. Like when you read Billionaire in Training, a lot of it you weren't ready for, but it gave you the roadmap of saying, okay, that's where I need to go in order to get there type thing. And that's the same with the wealth coach. When With the wealth coach, when people get about halfway through, the majority of people about halfway through the book are kind of like, okay, this is now getting past where I'm at. And that's great because you need to learn past where you're at or you never get there. Um, the old saying, got to learn before you earn. So exponential growth, Charlie, that is the core behind this one, making sure people understand it. Well, you've got me curious now because for me personally, right, I experience exactly what you spoke about. We've had some great growth runs, but it feels like we plateau every time, in all honesty, for cash flow. (laughs) Cash flow is the thing. It's like, oh, we've got to slow down. We're running out of cash. And then we gear up again and then we get to go again. So I'm fascinated to read this book and hear how you've navigated those types of orders. You know, look, the the thing of running out of cash really is a very big part of the business's planning cycle, you know, and and I I go back, Charlie, like I started a business and and now it's running across the world. It's called Profit Plus. And we actually have people build a business plan online in our software. We can have them do it in two days. They come to a two-day workshop and have a full business plan. So one week, they do one day, one weekend, and one day the next weekend, and hey, presto, they've got a full business plan. What we do with it in them is we actually give them a tool where they develop a five-year cash flow for their business. Now, what, what would be the advantage, and from what you've just said, you'll go into our what-if scenario part of the planning and you'll punch in a what-if. If we increase our prices by 5%, what's going to happen? If we increase our collection rate by instead of 17 days, it's 11 days on average, what's going to happen? If our collection goes from 17 out to 34, what's going to happen? Do you know, and, and it allows people to actually do that. And I think that one of the biggest challenges of, of a small to mid-size enterprise is they don't do enough planning. One of the problems with the, the big businesses is they do they write a plan, but they don't do enough planning. And planning is the brainstorming. Planning is the actual, planning is more important than the document. The actual time spent, facilitated thinking, learning, contemplating about your business, that stuff's way more important than the actual written document. Still going to have the written document, but the other stuff's more important. Yeah, that, that is such a great comment there, Brad. And I'm very curious now because it's like, all right, well, that's uh, the little hint. Go do more planning, Charlie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, 
before you do planning, I have a simple formula, right? And this this formula is not in this book. It's in other stuff I teach, but it's dream, goal, learn, plan, act. Dreams, got to have your big dreams. That's why I partnered with the young guy, Travis Bell, to bring bucket list coaching to the world. Um, and that's going all over the world right now as well. Dreams got to be turned into goals. So anything 10 years plus is a dream. Anything five years or inside is sort of your, your goal. You must have an actual documented date, et cetera, for it. From a goal, and, and the reason you have a goal is so you know what you need to learn. And this is where a lot of people struggle with this whole point of, see, let's imagine, if, if there ever been a time when either of you guys has told someone your goal and they've gone, oh, there's no way you can do that or that's not possible, you can't do that. Ever been that time? Absolutely. And you know what your answer to them needs to be? You're right. You are right. The person I am today can't pull that off. But the person I'm becoming and the stuff I'm learning and who I will be in a year's time can do that. And that's the attitude a lot of people miss. They miss the point that you set a goal so that you grow into it. You don't set a goal that you can achieve today. That's a to-do item. That's not a goal. No, a goal is something that you don't, you can't achieve with your current skill set. A goal is something you can't achieve with your current knowledge base. A goal is something that you dream it, you goal it, you learn it, then you write the plan and then you go to work. If you wrote a plan without the learning, like if you dodge the learning and you write the plan, your plan basically says do more of the same shit we always did. So, sorry about that, but do more of the same stuff we always did. You know, that, and that's, that's a simple formula, but again, very, very powerful. That's uh, amazing. I love that. It's um, that's that's so perfect. And now, obviously, Brad, as well, at the moment with your book, you've got uh, pre-sale on and everything like that, and you're including in there a ton of training. From what I could see, the nine hundred ninety-seven dollars worth of training is that stuff in there by any chance as well? The dream, the dream is yeah, that one's in there. Yep. Uh, I've definitely done that one in there. Look, the reason being, well, too far. Let's go back a step. For 13 years, I video recorded and audio recorded every single event I did, every single live event from my $10,000 week-long live events to my free three-hour events, every single one of them, all my webinars, all of that stuff, uh, it was all recorded. We put all of that into a business school and for the last four years, we've been selling that for $1,000 to people all over the world through click funneling and all sorts of stuff. When the team came to me and said, boss, what are we going to do for people that want to take action early and buy the book in pre-release. And I sat down and said, you know, I could create some new stuff. I could do this. I said, you know what, let's just give everyone all of that stuff. Let's just give it to, just give it all of that. And, of course, the team member who's in charge of that division looked at me in the eye and said, I guess my bonus structure is changing. <laughs> I guess, I guess uh, as soon as we're giving away what you sell now, we might have to change it up. But... Um, uh, you know, the point of it is I want people to get so much knowledge. Literally in the Profit Masters, there is more than 100 hours of video and audio learning, courses that people paid five, ten grand to come to. It's all in there. And so uh, where we actually, interestingly enough, I got uh, orders for over 100 books the other day from the business school here in town because uh, the, all the kids in university are saying, hey, I want to learn all of that stuff and I can't afford a thousand, but I can afford twenty four ninety five. So kind of cool in that way. Oh, I think that's it's, great. That is a serious yeah. bonus. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. The the thing is, you in this day and age, there's no use doing an offer that is, oh yes, buy my book and I'll give you a free white paper. That stuff just doesn't work anymore. People have to be astounded by the offer to go. I, I would be an absolute moron not to do that, wouldn't I? Yes, 
And in fact, you'd be an even bigger moron not to buy three of them for your friends. So yeah, that, that to me is what an offer looks like in this day and age, because there's just too much noise out there for it to be something you, for you to stand out. Your offer needs to be amazing. It needs to be so blunt and so brutal, but it's only pre once, once we get into selling through Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all those guys and Dimmicks and et cetera, once we're on those, all the, all that stuff disappears. So, cause those blokes take all the money then. So guys, the book is out on the 1st of April. The pre-sales mm-hmm. are right up until then. We're gonna include a link on this interview so you'll be able to grab these bonuses. I've grabbed them personally, like you got me, Brad. I was like, this is a killer offer, I can't resist. So I didn't even question it. So um, we'll make sure we include all that. Now, I've got, I've got one question I, I have to ask because mm-hmm. it's been a curiosity point for me personally. So uh, me and my wife, we both read The Wealth Coach um, mm-hmm. which was a game changer for us in our own home for thinking about how we're going to tackle investment and the rest of it, which everyone just go buy that book. It's well and truly worth it. But the book's written in a fable or a story. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know, are you based on one of the characters? Well, the, the wealth coach is basically someone that's that's uh, on this podcast. So, you know, I've coached a lot of people around money over the years, mostly friends. There's a lot of friends I don't know what it is, but, um, well, I know exactly what it is. None of us have, uh, you know, mentors, role models, parents that were rich. We just don't have it, you know. And and even my kids, like my kids, the, they have the most distinct advantage in the world in that I'm here ready to teach them because they're my kids, so the chances of them learning from me are about zero. You know, I, I got five of the little suckers, so, you know, I'm not that little anymore, 17 down to nine months, uh, so... With five kids, you know, it's, it's, I think, you know what, I, you know what, one of the reasons I wrote The Wealth Coach is I wanted my daughters to be able to read something that, that made sense. And I wanted my parents to be able to read something that made sense. And I wanted my friends to be able to read something because as much as I, I love to think that people want to learn from me, uh, those closest to you are probably the ones that are hardest to teach. So, you know, it's if I give them in a book format. Is is I watched an interview with um, a famous actor, and, and he talked about making a movie that his kids could see because literally every movie he'd ever made, he was shooting people or dying or you know all of the the action stuff. And I thought I really want to write a book that every single person I know uh, would benefit from, not just those that own a business, but every single person I know. And I think that's what we achieved with the Wealth Coach. And uh, mm, I'm very I think impressed. You did very with that well. Book. I think that's honestly, it's second to billionaire in training for me. Yeah. Still, that's going to be my number one, but I thought that was a fantastically well, well-written I, book. I, the best review of that book, uh, you all know, uh, well, I'm not sure if you guys know, Sharon Lecter. Sharon Lecter was the person who wrote the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. And it was actually designed to be a brochure for their board game, uh, uh, which is called Cashflow. And um, Sharon read the book and, just, and she's actually had uh, – laws put in place here in the United States for uh, um, education, financial education in high schools. So, and when she read it and just said, yeah, every every person needs to read that book, I thought, I'm pretty happy with the fact that, that, that the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad said everyone needs to read my book on wealth. So, thanks. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Take that one. So I've got one, one last question here is that I can tell you're pretty keen on getting New York uh, Times bestseller. 
How can we help you do that? What do we need to get everyone to do so that we can make this happen? Look, I think it's just share. Just keep sharing, keep sharing, keep sharing. You know, look, I, business ownership and being a corporate executive or a manager or a leader or a C-level exec, it's not the easiest road in the world, you know, and when you go down that road and when you choose that road, you choose that you have to continuously learn. And so every single one of us, whether it's our friends on LinkedIn or Facebook, we all have a dozen other friends who right now need to learn some things about how to grow. So if everyone can just keep sharing it out there and that sort of stuff, but on top of that, read it and apply it because, you know, then the story and the share is not, hey, I read this book and it was a great book. It was, hey, I read this book and I doubled my profit from it. That sells more books than, hey, I like the cover of this book. It looks nice. You know, that, that to me is an important aspect behind it. I think you know, it, it's a big read. It's to an almost 300-odd pages. So it's, it's – but the detail, I think if you think of it more like a workbook and, and take notes in it and, and that sort of thing, then I think you'll get the most results possible. Well, guys, you've heard it here. So we're going to get everyone pre-sale, buy it and get those bonuses. It's definitely uh, worth it. And mm. then apart from that, once you do, share that link around. Let's, uh, like I would love to contribute to you getting this New York Times bestseller and I'm sure Kim would as well. Every single one of us, guys, you know it and I know it. We set goals and we got to go for it. We got to push hard and we got to get there. Whether I get there on day one or day 20 or day 100 or day 5,000, I don't know. But we'll keep pushing for the New York Times. Can I finish off with one statement, and that's this. Guys, I love your work. I love what you do with people. I love the way you help people grow and do the things that they're doing. If you're watching this podcast and you don't really understand who these guys are and what they do, check into it. Get some help. Go follow. Go learn. Do that. Please, please, please work with them. Well, I think that is definitely how we want to finish. Thank you so much for the kind (laughs) words, bro. (laughs) Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it.